Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market and dive deep to understand the issues affecting buyers, sellers, investors, and businesses. If you love real estate as much as we do, sit back, relax, and gain an insider's edge to the exciting world of real estate. David Gorski is a broker and the owner of Sutton Summit Realty, a powerhouse brokerage providing guidance to over 180 realtors. And David Corman is a partner at Corman's LLP, a respected law firm specializing in residential and commercial real estate transactions with offices located in Toronto, Mississauga, and Markham. Good morning and welcome to podcast number 22. 22. Unbelievable. I know I always say this, David, but time flies when you're having fun. And isn't that always the case? <laughs> and we have fun every time we do one of these. It's uh, that, that's really something makes it, it easy really to is. do. You know, how, how is it? You know, how could it be difficult or an onerous task when all you're doing is, is chit-chatting with uh, someone you know and you like and you have a relationship with and we're, and we're talking about mutual interests and on different topics like could couldn't be easier we should have started doing this years ago can you imagine where we'd be today how many episodes we have recorded i mean you know, uh, for years you're, you've been coming to the office and, and doing webinars and this is how this idea was born you know i you always share so much amazing content we always learn so much from whenever you come into the office and the whole idea here was that we just keep sharing this information with with the whole industry right and really yeah. raise the level raise the knowledge and 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 get people excited about you know all the topics we talk about so um you know i've been having a lot of fun and i know from the feedback we've been getting people have been uh, really enjoying what uh uh, you know, what we're producing. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, it, it is fun. And, and I, I appreciate the compliment. Thank you of, of, of my input. But, you know, it goes both ways. It always goes both ways. You know, over the years, even when I've shown up at your office, when somebody else was doing a, a seminar on a topic, and I was just sort of sitting in on the back and, and listening, and then inevitably a question would come up and someone would say, hey, David, what do you think? Or what's, is there a legal issue here? And, and I could chime in. But it, it was, there was always valuable to me to listen to what else was going on, whatever the topic was, and listen to what the agents had uh, you know, different viewpoints on things. There's always something to learn, right? Whenever you do these things, you share ideas. And I think that's the whole idea is sharing ideas, uh, you know, talking about things out loud with someone, having a conversation. And it's, um, you know, it, it's a two-way street. It's totally reciprocal. You learn, I learn. Uh, there's always something going on, right? We're never too old to learn. Especially when you have somebody that has like uh, matching interests, right? And, and is in the same industry, but in different facets of, of the industry as well. Right. You know, they're learning and, and, and they're really good at what they do. And, and they bring something to the table and you hear from their perspective. And then you're able to put the different perspectives together and, and just understand what's going on in the industry uh, that much better. So I'm a big fan of, of doing as many trainings, of, of attending webinars, of listening um, I actually attend a lot of different webinars that other agents put on, that other brokerages put on, that other professionals in the industry put on. Because like you said, you always learn something. Um, and then I'm able to bring it back to my agents, to my office, right? And the perfect example of that is um, 
uh, as you know, we're, we're doing a live podcast on the Buzz Buzz show uh, next month, which is extremely exciting. Yep. Um, it's the first uh, in Buzz Buzz, uh, in the Buzz uh, Network's uh, history, which, uh, which is kind of cool. But, you know, there's going to be thousands of people there. And, and the whole idea is to show people how easy it is to do these podcasts, to create content and, and to really be engaging and passionate about something that, um, you know, you love so much. So one of the speakers that we were introduced to, Jess Lenovo, we actually had her at the brokerage on a webinar yesterday talking about uh, three different things you can do to really amp up your organic reach and social media. And David, let me tell you, she was absolutely phenomenal. It was like one of the best webinars we had at the brokerage in a really long time. And you know, we were able to get Jessica in through our connection with the Buzz Network uh, through the introduction and, and a huge benefit to the, uh, to the office. So uh, that's just a small example of how important is the network, how important it is to connect with other professionals in the industry and, and, and seek out different perspectives and, um, and, and share them with uh, you know, everybody else in the office. Well, it's, it's fabulous. And, and what we're doing at the Buzz Conference is we're going to be doing live podcasts there, but we're basically going to be having the various speakers, the keynote speakers, join us for various podcasts and just talk to them either before they go on or after they come on, after they're on and just share what, you know, their experience and how they got there and, and, and whatever their angle is in the real estate is. We're all related somewhere, but we're all doing different different things. So it's great to share these ideas. Just like, you know, last week or the last podcast we did with, with Ray Zamet of Housemaster, it was, I thought it was fabulous, you know, just, you know, first of all, he's a great guy and easy to talk to, but uh, just a, and a great example of, you know, home inspector, part of our industry. And, and then, you know, how does this affect your business? How is it affecting your business, David? What, how it affects my business? Three different viewpoints on the same topic. And that's what we're going to do in these, you know, with the Buzz Conference and, and in future podcasts, getting other people to come on with us and share some content yeah, and, and just discuss how it helps our own businesses. Yeah, I think we're going to try to really peek, uh, peel back the layers. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be there, a lot, a lot of speakers, a lot of influencers in the industry. And, you know, these people, you know, really have a, an idea of what the trends are, where we're going. Um, so being able to collectively pull from them and share that knowledge with everybody else, I think is going to be highly beneficial. So I'm really looking forward to that day. It, yep. We're going to spend a full eight hours podcasting basically the whole day, but, you yeah. know, we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, it's even learning new terminology. Like back in the day, we used to call some of these people uh, movers and shakers in the industry. Yeah. Now, now the correct term is they're influencers. Like yes. they've now got an official, polite, politically correct name. They're influencers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe we are too, to some degree. And, you know, and that's what we, we want to do that. But we're doing it on the basis that we're just trying to share knowledge because uh, it helps us. It helps us in our own businesses. Uh, it helps us in meeting other people. I've talked to other lawyers, you know, that are now tuning into this thing together. Their Very viewpoint. Cool. At some point, we're going to have other lawyers on here. You know, I know you hear from other real estate agents that aren't part of your brokerage. I hear, I've got uh, some regular agents that are following this that are not part of your brokerage or other, but they tune into this all the time. Yeah. And, and that's what we want. We want, we want it to spread out. It's open for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point is, you know, we, we don't want to be selfish in, in, in keeping this information to ourselves, especially whatever your office shares with us. It's so important. You know, when you're doing a deal, right, 
our agents represent our clients, but there's always another agent on the other side, right? And and, and that agent on the other side is is high, you know, better skilled, better trained, you know, has the education. Then the whole deal is just going to come together seamlessly, and that's that's the whole point here. Exactly. You want a good agent on the other side, a good qualified yeah. agent, because that's the way you're going to get your deal done. And and in my business, it's 100 the same way. I want a good lawyer on the other side of a transaction. Okay, it makes I, I, it's easier. It's like you, you enjoy crucial. your job, right? It comes together seamlessly. Like you're, you know, you don't have to sugarcoat or explain things, and you know, it, it just works, right? And and it's mm -hmm. it's very much no different in the real estate industry um, when when dealing with another agent. Yeah, it, it's important. And then you know, and you get to know the other, you know, good agents that are around and good, you know, good owners of brokerages and same thing on my end, other lawyers. And you get a relationship over the years too, and you know who you can really, uh, you know, trust and accept their word, and you know that they're not selling you a bag of goods. You know, I have no problem with anybody taking a legal position. Yeah. Okay. And, and doing that, advocating behalf of their client—that's what they're supposed to do. But there's right. a difference between doing that and trying to tell you a half a story or you know not the full picture things like that. I could tell a great story. I don't know if it's for today's podcast or not, but on a closing, should I, should I Let's tell you about jump it? into it? I, you know, right. I love your stories. I, I think why not? It's, it's just, it, we, we had a closing that, that closed yesterday and um, you know, and it was a really relatively significant, you know, a standard real estate sale. We're acting for the seller, $6 million sale. Okay. Nice house. Um, um, but it was always debatable. Is this house going to be, it's an older house. Is the house going to be, needs either a total renovation. Maybe someone's going to buy it for the lot because it's in a prime location and, and rebuild a, like a little mansion on it. You know, like my, anyways, it sells, you know, back last summer closing was, uh, was yesterday. Um, but we get word from the other side that, you know, there might be issues, even though we're four months away from closing, the buyer is trying to sell a property worth $10 million in order to complete this purchase. Wow. And it's been on the market for a while. They've a couple of price adjustments going on the market, off the market. They're having issues. Anyways, I get a call from the other lawyer back in the summer saying, you know, we got a problem with this closing coming up in November. A um, couple reasons. First of all, uh, a house three doors away just sold for four and a half million, comparable house to the one that was six million. This was clearly overpriced four and a half the proper price for it and as it turns out the the same brokerage was acting on your deal on the buy and the sell different agents but the same brokerage and they were playing some shenanigans and they knew that the house wasn't worth that and they oversold it and that brokerage is in big trouble because they were they weren't acting properly and the house is only worth four and a half million and I got this poor, innocent buyer who's now overpaid and she's going to struggle to pay. She won't get, gonna get financing at a $6 million price. And we're going to have a problem for, uh, for closing. Well, and this lawyer happens to be a really good lawyer. Someone I know I've dealt with and, and he's a good guy and we compete. But I like to have him on the other side of my transactions because he knows what he's doing. And then I think he would have the same type of respect for me. So, you know, so I'm, I'm listening to what he's got to say and okay. I said to him, well, 
I might know a few things about this that you, you might not be aware of. So, you know, first of all, I know your, your client might be an innocent, nice little lady who's just trying to buy this nice house, but her husband, who's not a named buyer, is in the business of buying and selling these types of properties. He buys them, he renovates them, he flips them, he does assignments. He's doing this all the time, including the one that he's trying to do now. We know that he's trying to sell a $10 million property. We know how long it's been on the market. We know he's struggling. We know he really sort of has to sell that in order to complete this purchase. He's not, they're not buying this to move in. They're buying to renovate it or knock it down or flip it before they ever close. So we know that. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but we are aware of that already. And second of all, this is not an unsophisticated buyer who, who didn't know that the house next three doors away was on the market. There are differences in the properties. Your client even looked at that property too, chose our property, and uh, with free will negotiated back and forth on a green and sale and agreed to pay $6 million because your client knows more than our, my client does. My client's just a seller. He, he just lived in that house for 20 years. He's just selling his property. Your client's in the business of wow. buying and selling these types of properties. He knew exactly what it was worth. He knows it's worth $6 million. So now I'm not sure if you're aware of all this, but now you are. And there's a half million dollar deposit. So if they don't close, he's going to lose his half million dollar deposit. We're going to put it on the market. If we're correct that it's worth $6 million, we'll sell it to somebody else and your client might be good. But if you're right that it's, only, that it's worth less and the market's changing, then your client's going to be responsible for the difference. So whatever you got to do, do what you got to do. Find, make sure your client knows that we're aware of all this. We got to get the deal closed on time, no extensions, no nothing. We got to close. And, and he's got lots of time. Good news, he's got four months to either sell that other property, get financing, refinance, whatever you got to do, figure out a way, but we got to close. Well, the lawyer was pretty quiet on the other side. <laughs> and I let him talk as long as I just talked first yeah. to tell me his whole story, right? Now, and I know that this lawyer didn't know that because yeah. if he knew all that, he wouldn't have called me with this in the first place. The story that he came up with. He was told a half story by his clients, right? And as soon as I told him the rest of it, you know, it's like, okay, you know, thank you for telling me. I'm going to go talk to my client <laughs> and we'll see what, what happens. And anyways... Our, my client was holding their breath for four months. Are they going to close? They're not going to close. We ended up closing yesterday on time, on time. Yeah, half a million dollars on the on the line. I'm not surprised. And a very sophisticated buyer that knows the value of the property. And all he was trying to do is probably buy himself another month or two so he can maneuver and right. you know and, and and assign the deal or, or or find the right you know partner to to move forward. But at the end of the day, at what expense? Right. And all this comes at the expense of the current seller. So had the current seller not retained your law firm where, you know, that realtor and you guys worked really closely side by side and, and really got down to and really understood what, what the true motivation is of this buyer, um, you know, she probably would have been bullied around a little bit. Well, yeah. And, and that's a really good point too. the role of the agent on this was huge. Now, the, the agent is someone I know really well. happens to be a really good agent. He listens to these podcasts all the time. So he's going to be listening to this and, and recognize what the story we're talking about. But he's, he's a good agent. He did his homework with the assistance of his broker. He got his, his owner broker got involved in this too, because as soon as there's an allegation, oh, 
you know, we got one of your agents on this property. We've got another agent, you know, that's acting for the buyer of this property. So, you know, so there's that potential issue there. They did nothing wrong. The agents did nothing wrong. The owner broker knew they did nothing wrong. He was supportive. I was supportive of their position, but they, they all did their homework. And the fact that they were able to get all that information to me, because I wouldn't know the sophistication of the buyer and the buyer owns is trying to sell another property and how many times it's been on the market. I wouldn't have any of that information without the agents doing going the extra mile, you know, not, not just getting the, the property under contract, but they qualified the buyer in the first place. They knew all about this buyer because they wanted to make sure he had an ability to close, right? So they did a great job on this. And that was a, a key to getting this done. And you and I have talked about this before, like the, like the teamwork here is really important. We need the agents to do all that, that legwork and to find out all the information. I can't get access to that, but I need that, them to give me that information. Now I've got some, some bullets in my, in my gun that I can go and use to, you know, to negotiate a position. Yeah. And David, what a great story to really launch our current topic, which is talking about real estate uh, commission and mm -hmm. legal fees, right? And it's always, you know, I'm a big advocate of this is that uh, most people think they don't need a good lawyer until they need a good lawyer, <laughs> right? And you always get what you pay for. And I'm a huge, huge advocate of that. It's the same in real estate. It's the same whether you're buying a car. It's the same whether you're buying a property. Um, you know, if you want a quality product and a quality service, and this is the type of business that you and I are in, we're here to service people, right? Nine times out of 10, another real estate lawyer would never get involved in that level with a real estate transaction. They would just say, well, you know what? Here are your choices. We either agree to the extension or we don't. Right. But really knowing the underlying motivation of the buyer, going the extra mile, having that synergy, that teamwork in place, uh, you, you know, resulted in, in the seller not being bullied, the deal closing on time. You know, the developer, you know, his intention was always going to be to, you know, make money with that property. He, he knows he looked at the other next door neighbor. He passed it up. He knows that you know, there's value in this particular property for whatever reason, being the lot size, being the location, being, be it, you know, the severability, whatever it might be on that particular land, but he knew what the value is. And all he was trying to do is, is, is buy a little bit more time to set up his game plan, whatever it was at the expense of the seller. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you can't blame a buyer for doing that. He wants to, you know, he's in the oh, business. He's trying to keep all his yeah. options open. He wants to fill you out a little bit. Do I have an option if, if I can't sell this property in November? Are, are your clients flex? Is the seller flexible? Can we extend for a month or two? Can I buy some more time? Is there another way? Do you know? I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do because if I can't sell this soon, so I can't just sell the other property, have money, and then close on this and do a renovation. So now I might have to do an assignment. So now I need rights to get in to show the property to other people, and that was part of the conversation we had too. And, and that wasn't really agreeable but to the sellers because they're living in the property. They don't want showings to continue because they're bringing a parade of people in there on assignment. But we agreed to give them a, you know, a limited amount of, of showings you know, at certain convenient times because we didn't want to take away their options. We want the guy to close. So if you're going to flip it, you want to get an assignment done, great. As long as it's cl still closing on time, we'll play ball, right? We're going to cooperate. But... It, it, it you have to have the information and everything now what the buyer didn't do properly is he didn't tell 
the full story, I don't think, to his lawyer, right? And and I think that was probably embarrassing to the lawyer because he's coming you know, on to me saying, you know, you know, your client's not part of your client oversold, your 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 client's in cahoots with the agents, the agents did something wrong. Like, you know, he's been pushed into, you know, like I could he's he's all worked up over it. He thinks that the sellers and the whole seller team did something wrong here when they did nothing wrong. It was the buyer that was that was just trying to find a way to keep his options open and and not give full information to his to his lawyer right and so, had had the buyer given full information to his lawyer from the beginning then the lawyer probably would have approached the whole situation in a completely different uh, manner right. wouldn't be embarrassed his reputation right. wouldn't be on the line right yeah and uh and and possibly the outcome would have been a little bit different as well yeah you know, the, the approach would have been a little bit different. It would have been, look, you know, we might have a problem. You know, we're, my client's trying to sell. We need to sell in order to buy it. You know, it, we, it is, an, it is an, an extension an option? Can we, is that going to, can that be available for a month or two? Can we change the closing date? You know, we're four months in front of the closing date, right? So, and the answer might have been still, no, we're keeping it there. But, you know, let's talk again in two months. Uh, you right. know, like right now, no, but, you know, keep pushing because you don't want to take, the foot off the pedal, right? You got, you want to keep pushing, you want to keep some pressure on, but, but there could be an open communication. Well, you know, what about, you know, are you open to a few more showings because we might want to, we might do an assignment because our client may not be able to close and renovate. He might want to just flip it if he can't sell the other property. Well, let's discuss what that would be, be and make sure that our client, the seller's costs are covered and you know, let's limit the, you know, let's have it, we can have a discussion about that, right? But anyways, if that's the way it was approached, uh, I think it really helped that I knew the lawyer and the lawyer knew me. So as soon as I told him the facts that I knew, it was like, okay, I know where this is coming from. Right. And, and I think that helps the situation. That's why I'm saying this, we started this conversation with, you want a good agent on the other side, you also want a good lawyer on the other side. Like, you know, I can't do 100% of the deals. You can't do 100% of the deals you know, we need other people on the other side of the transaction. We need good people, right? Absolutely, 100%. But a great story, David. And I mean, it really shows, you know, the synergy, the teamwork between the teams, right? And how everybody, everybody has to work together to protect the best interests of their clients. Um, and, and, and you know, I think you guys nailed it. Great, uh, great uh, outcome. You know, the deal closed on time. Uh, seller got what they wanted. And uh, it was a very positive situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, you want to get back to the market update? We, we sort of Yeah, let's jump that. into the market update. So, so guys, still extremely busy out there. You know, we are seeing people, you know, it's the first of December today. Um, we have snow on the ground. And historically around this time, things really die down quite a bit, especially as we go probably into the second week of November, just before Christmas. Um, I think that this, this month is going to be no exception. I'm expecting the number of transactions to be extremely low, but that has everything to do with, again, really low inventory levels. Now, the good news is that I am hearing um, our agents phone ring quite a bit from sellers, um, and, and it's really the messaging that people are hearing. 
And the messaging that people are hearing in the media is that interest rates might be going up in 2022. So I think a lot of people are, are hearing the media constantly deliver this message. And I think people and sellers are actually contemplating putting their houses on their market because my office is getting a lot more phone calls from sellers saying, you know what, I think we might be at an all-time high and I think it's time to take some risk out and maybe possibly look at listing uh, our property for sale, which is extremely different than what's been going on in the last uh, you know, 10 months or so. So um, it's a good sign, and it's a good sign that we might be seeing more inventory coming on, on the market um, after Christmas. Well, that's good. And, and then I guess, you know, the timing when it's after Christmas, you know, you get to this point of the year in, in most years where people say, okay, let's, we're going to wait for the spring market. You know, a lot of people just want to wait for that market. And then some people are going to say, you know what, let's go in January because we'll be less on the market. And it might be a good time to list because there's just less out there. And there might be more activity on your property if we go then, as opposed to waiting for the, you know, for the spring market, right? So it, it depends on the strategy that the agent's going to come up with. I think we're in such unprecedented territory right now. We're still at ultimate low levels of inventory. So my message to the market, my message to all my agents and my message to the industry is if you have a seller thinking about selling, put the house on the market now. Don't wait until after Christmas. You know, don't worry that it's December the 7th that you're listing. It doesn't matter. There's no inventory. There's a lot of people looking. And remember, around Christmas and New Year's, you know, even though people's attention is on something else, people do have time. People do have time. People do have time off work. Right. And the other thing is you have to remember in Mississauga, um, there's a lot of people who don't celebrate Christmas. Right. You know, they, they get a break, you know, as you know, it's not the celebration of that particular holiday, but it's a seasonal break, you know, between Christmas and New Year's just because things are slowing down and people get some time off anyways. It doesn't they're not necessarily celebrating things. They are, and they may have obligations for family functions. And, and we're certainly not running around like we would in other years attending Christmas parties or, or seasonal parties, whatever we want to call them, because most companies aren't doing them, right? So there's a little less of that activity and less of those commitments in evenings and, and weekends and things like that than we've, you know, we had pre-COVID, right? No question about that. So, you know, why not get out there? I'll tell you, I'm getting you know, a lot of uh, calls and conversations also about, about the potential interest rates going up. I, I was talking the other day with a, with a couple who's got a closing coming up in April, uh, okay. they bought. And, um, but their mortgage approval, the mortgage committee, the rate expires at the end of January. And they're really trying to find a way you know, to get this closed in January. The seller doesn't want to move the closing up. Seller's got other reasons why they, they actually wanted April and wanted a long closing. They're trying to find a way, like, how can we get this done in January to protect our rates? Because the rates are going to go up. And, um, and, and it, there could be a significant difference over a five-year term if the rates do go up. Now, historically, when the rates do go up, they usually go up pretty slowly, pretty gradually. The government's going to be careful in doing that. They don't want to completely kill the market and hammer people on renewals and things like that. But you know, when you do the math, when when rates go up even marginally over five years, it could be a significant amount of money. And this couple calculated it could cost them fifty grand over over a five year period. Yep. So, well, 
0.25 on 100,000 is $250 a month in interest. Yeah, so it's, it's not an insignificant amount sometimes. You, you know, you got to weigh other costs of what you're trying to do by closing early or you're using your money earlier. You might have to cover other costs for the seller because you might have to throw incentives. So there's a lot of things to factor, but it's certainly coming into the conversation now. You know, like, what do we do? Let, can we move now before interest rates move up? So there's always that push. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's still busy out there. We're still seeing multiples. We're still seeing the average price climb. We're seeing the days on the market and ultimate low rates. And I mean, it's all due to a lack of inventory. So uh, it, it's extremely busy out there. Um, and we do need more inventory. There's tons of buyers looking. There's tons of people wanting to get in, especially um, in, you know now before uh, the government raises rates. Yeah. Well, it'll make it interesting. Um... You know, I, I, I really expect we're going to have a pretty busy spring um, once we get there. But I guess it's it's a function of, because I think there's people out there that want to make these type of changes, right? And it's still sort of coming off the post-COVID thing. You know, it's, it's amazing how busy it was during COVID. Things are improving. Uh, hopefully, you know, things will be even better when we get to the spring months and we're going to be in much more open uh, society and back to doing things. And I think a lot of people that have been waiting are going to be out there. Uh, but you know, we need the sellers to, to move first and get it, get properties on the market. We know the buyers are, we know there's a lot of buyers that people that want to make those changes, those step changes. Um, but they need the inventory, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, my gut feeling is that, you know, I think the government might be using the whole conversation of raising interest rates as a deterrent, right? I, I don't know if they can actually afford to raise interest rates just because of how leveraged people are. Um, and, and I think our economy is still extremely sensitive. Like we're still having so many uh, um, shipping delays from China, right? And, and, and the real estate economy is really driving our economy forward as well. So, you know, can they really afford to raise interest rates, right? But the whole fact that everybody's talking about raising interest rates is leading the market to make certain decisions. Right, and, and this isn't the first time that this conversation's come up where there's some feelers out there and indications that they might be raising interest rates. It's been going on for years because the rates have been so low, right? But that's what the, the governments have to take a look at. And sometimes, oh, you know, we raise rates a little bit, that'll slow the market down because there's some pressure. Oh, we want to slow the real estate market. We want to stop some of these multiple offer bidding and people pushing the prices of the real estate so high. That's different than wanting to do something to the real estate market. Just uh, affecting the prices is different than affecting they want people to buy and sell real estate. It's good for yeah. the economy to do that. They just want it to be at reasonable purchase prices. They don't want the values to go high. So how do you stop the values from going up as high as they are while at the same time, keep the activity? Because it, you're right, it drives the economy. It's not just the real estate agent making a commission and the lawyer making the legal fee on a transaction. It, it's the, the home inspector and the mortgage brokers and the mortgage lenders and the construction company, industry, I mean, and the, the renovators and the furniture business yeah. and the home decoration business. And it, it, it just Utility keeps going and going. Window companies, you know, like uh, the, the list is substantial. There's a lot of businesses that, 
you know, make money when somebody buys and sells, right? And then it, right. it drives the economy. Companies, like you just, it's just, it's just the whole economy, Endless. right? It works. So they don't want to stop that. They don't really want to slow that down, but they want to find a way to stop the prices, especially GTA and, you know, and, and there's some like Vancouver and there's some other places where the, the prices have just gone crazy, right? Over recent. So how do you slow that, the, 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 the those prices from growing that much while at the same time keeping the transactions going. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. All right, Dave, let's jump into our topic for today. And today we're, we're discussing everything you need to know about real estate commissions and legal fees. And, and this is a, a topic that um, I really look forward to discussing because, I mean, there's a lot to discuss here and there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of misconceptions in the industry as well. So um, I, I think it's really important that we uh, touch on these two topics, right? Yeah. So let, let's start with your end of the business with, you know, how do you get paid? How do your agents get paid? Well, we work on a commission, right? So usually the standard commission rates in the, in the real estate industry uh, back in the day, you know, there were 6% and 3% went to um, whoever represented the buyer and 3% went to um, whoever represented the seller. Over time, you know, there's downward pressure as prices have continued to go, come up. And, you know, in the last 10 or so years, we saw that 6% drop to about 5% is now the standard commission rate in, in the industry, right? So two and a half to the co-op broker and two and a half uh, goes to the listing agent, right? Now, what's important to really note here is that not all agents are created equally, okay? And there's huge different ends of the spectrum on, on what type of services are included in that two and a half percent when you're selling a house or even when you're you know, purchasing a property from, uh, for a buyer and representing the buyer as well, right? So it's really important that if you're a consumer, that you really understand what is part of the realtor's services that's being offered, right? And on the listing side right now, I mean, the list is quite substantial. Um, and I like to call it full service or the white glove service, right? But realtors are including staging, right? And staging in itself is, is a huge different field, um, uh, you know, of, of, of service, right? It, are you paying for the initial consultation? where a professional stager comes in and helps you, you know, and the walks to the house and tells you what needs to be done, right? Are you play, paying for a team to come in and, and pack certain things that are not needed and store them away? Are you paying for accessories and furniture to be brought into the house and artwork to make it look, you know, uh, like it's out of a magazine um, photo and, and, and to really get that emotional connection when the buyer comes and visits the property? Right. So there's different levels of staging that realtors offer um, for their clients as well. Right. So is that generally part of the two and a half percent that the listing agent would be getting? Or are they paying for those services over and above the two and a half percent commission? Like I said, with every realtor that's an independent contractor, every realtor approaches their business differently. Okay. I always thought it would be the easiest and the simplest if you, you know, and I think a realtor brings the most value to the table if they have a full service solution, right? So here, pay my rate, 
but you don't have to worry about everything. I'll bring in stagers, I'll bring in, you know, a handyman and, and do small little touch-ups. Like I'll, I'll do everything. I'll do, you know, whatever it takes to get the house listed on the market, look its best to get you the best possible rate, right? And then when that happens and you bring that kind of value to the table, it's really hard to argue against that two and a half percent because it's justified. Right, and that would include, include advertising, um, you know, in, you know, they used to, you know, producing brochures, things like that, or, or maybe it's now, you know, they're not, you know, sometimes there's still brochures that are done in a house and all the picture taking and the videos, most of that's online and accessible that way, but still you need a photographer, you need a videographer to, to do that type of stuff. So there's, there's that it's, it's the MLS listing, other type of advertising that they might be doing for that property. Like there's a whole bunch of costs and expenses that a real estate agent incurs to properly market a property. Absolutely. And all those costs are borne by the realtor and they don't get paid absolutely anything unless you are satisfied with the final price that you get for your house and you sign that agreement of purchase and sale and you sell the property. Only then does the realtor get paid. But all the marketing, all the advertising, all the staging, all the photography, everything is, is at their um, risk, right? Before the property actually sells. So you have to be 100% satisfied that you got the price. Uh, you're letting the house go. You're, you're, you're 100% happy with what the outcome is before the realtor gets paid. Yeah. And I, I guess the point should also be made that there's also out of that two and a half percent on the selling side that we're talking about right now, there's a split. Okay. It's not all the real estate agent that's getting all that money. You know, the agent, the agents and the agent's brokerage is getting that two and a half percent. And then depending on, on whatever the setup is within in the brokerage is, you know, how is that two and a half percent being split? Because some of it is going to pay for some of these costs that we're talking about. Some of it goes to the brokerage. So it doesn't all go, you know, there's a misconception that, oh, you know, we sell the property for a million dollars and the agent's going to get two and a half percent of that, that that money is just going in the agent's pocket, two and a half percent. It's not, it's not like that, right? Not at all. And I mean, you know, the bigger misconception is even with teams, real estate teams, which are becoming a huge phenomenon, right? Right. So that two and a half percent is split with the brokerage, but then there's a team split as well. Right. So the individual agent, you know, um, gets gets a small portion of that at the very end. And, and, and they still have to do, you know, pay for the staging, photography, virtual tours, marketing, brochures, uh, decluttering, staging, cleaning, repairs. Right. Um, all that is, you know, can be included in, in, in that fee as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So from a, a seller's point of view, they still have to know they're going to, they're going to pay a 5% commission, you know, typically, and, you know, the buyer side is going to get some of that, you know, but let's just assume it's, it's split evenly. They're going to get two and a half, the seller's going to get two and a half. So, so the seller's going to know it's going to cost me 5% of my sale price ultimately, regardless of who's getting it. Okay. But I think it's important to know that it's not, it's not all going to two people. It's not the buyer's agent, the seller's agent that are just getting that money, putting it in their pocket. That's the end of it. Like there's, there's other costs and they're working hard to earn that money too. Right. So, but to them at the end of the day, they're going to look, okay, if I sell for a million dollars, I got to pay out a 5% commission. So I, I want to know what my net amount's going to be. Right. So they got to, but they have to know they're getting good value for that 5%. They're probably getting a better purchase price, a sale price, you know, in this case, 
they're getting the best opportunity to sell it at, at, in the right timing because there's value in the timing of a sale as much as on the price that you sell it for. All the work that goes into by an agent qualifying to get the right buyer to buy to make sure the transaction close, like that's all part of them earning that, yeah. that commission. It, it's, it's no different than replacing your countertop with a beautiful granite countertop. It adds value to the property. Having a good agent on your team adds tremendous value to your bottom line, like tremendous, especially in this market. I can't stress that enough. Having the right realtor can make hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference to your bottom line right? Because that realtor is, is a professional, has relationships with other realtors, is respected in the industry, and they will negotiate and take that position um, on your behalf, right? And I know, you know, I, I've met a lot of realtors, we have a lot of terrific realtors here, and you know the good realtors that are looking out for the interests of the client, and you know the realtors are only looking out for, for their own interests, right? And I think paying 5% to a good realtor is actually really cheap, right? But paying 5% to a bad realtor is a huge waste of money, right? So, right. you know, I can't stress that enough. Not all realtors are created equal. You know, when you're interviewing realtors, there's, there's a barrage of different uh, questions you should be asking to make sure that, you know, they're a professional realtor, that they're going to work for your best interest, that they have the right marketing, that they have the right brokerage, that they have the right support behind them, and that, you know, they will ultimately get you the best possible selling price on the property when you're selling and to buy in the best location, um, in, in, in the best circumstances, uh, when you're when you're buying property as well, because timing those two transactions, especially in this market, um, is a delicate and sensitive procedure. Right, and there's also various strategies that have to be instituted by the agent, and you know, in terms of timing the market, whether we're holding off on on taking offers whether we would look at a bully offer if one comes in, like what's the right strategy in that, in that current market for that particular house at that particular time of year, given everything else is going on. Like there's a lot of thought and effort that has to go into that. And for an agent to even come up with those strategies, it usually helps them to be part of a good brokerage too, because you're having these type of discussions internally and you're seeing what's going on in other transactions that you're not even a part of. You're telling stories in-house about, we did this on this property, this strategy here, this one worked here. So they, they all, they've got to come up with all of those things too. So there's so much value that's added by having a good agent at a good brokerage that is exposed to all these things. And the bottom line is, you know, which is different, your business and my business, the agent could do all this, do all it right. They're being, they're under contract with the seller for a limited period of time. Okay, it's not an indefinite, it's not doesn't go on forever. They're saying, I'm giving you a certain period of time by contract to sell and market this property and let's discuss the strategies. And if you sell it, then you get paid a commission. But that's the key. The agent only gets paid upon successful completion. They could do all this work, expose it, have open houses, do whatever their strategy is. If the house doesn't sell because the market doesn't allow it to sell, or for whatever the reason, doesn't matter. The agent that did all this is not getting paid unless it until it sells and closes, not under contract. It's got to close, right? Yeah, 100%. And 
No, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. I had an agent come into my office about, uh, this was about four weeks ago, and, and we talked about pricing a property in Lauren Park. Um, you know, it, it was uh, it was a semi-custom home uh, in the north part of uh, Lauren Park, and we went through, uh, you know, a CMA, and um, a CMA is a, a comparative market analysis. We looked at different properties, we looked at different pricing strategies, and I felt that people were really annoyed with multiple offers and we weren't seeing as much multiples happening. So instead of the 15, 20 offers, we're seeing three or four, we're still seeing prices hold, but we're just seeing the more serious people actually put pen to paper and the people that know that, listen, you know what, we have no chance, you know, they weren't submitting. So we weren't seeing like, you know, 15 offers, we're seeing two, three offers, we're still seeing price holding, but we're not seeing those crazy numbers anymore. So when this agent came to my office and he asked me, listen, should I price the property at 1.799 holdback offers or closer to uh, 1.9, which is what the seller really wanted to get? And we went through the different uh, comparative market analysis and I talked to them about trends and ultimately they chose to price the property at 1,850,000, Okay. During uh, the offer acceptance date, they only got one offer and they ended up selling the house for full price. So for a million eight hundred and fifty thousand. But I think this case really illustrates like understanding trends and what the market is doing, because had they priced at one seven nine nine and expected multiples like the, you know, six, seven, eight offers, they would have only gotten one point seven nine nine with with only one offer coming in. Right. right. But in this case, the seller was able to get $50,000 more than that previous pricing strategy just because, um, you know, that agent listened to my advice and, and priced it a little bit higher. Right. They got one offer. They got full asking. You know, it wasn't quite what the seller wanted, but it was much closer to 1.9 than than they would have been at 1.8, right? And in right. that scenario, the seller was able to, you know, take another $50,000 of profit into their pocket uh, simply because that agent had the benefit, the guidance, the knowledge of really understanding up to the second what's happening in the market, you know, what's happening with number of, of offers and, and the, the real trend in the marketplace. So that was, you know, a really good example of really understanding pricing and really understanding, you know, where the market is right up to the second. Yeah, no, that that's great. And look, it, because you're, you're commission based, when you sell for more money, the agent's going to do better as well. So the, the agent always, you know, has that in the back of their mind. If I sell for a higher price, I'm going to get a little more commission on it. But usually that's not something that motivates them. It's more important to get the transaction, get it sold at a proper price with a proper buyer that's qualified, as opposed to trying to reach for every last dollar in commission that an agent might get. Like, I think that's not what the good agents are generally motivated by. I think they understand over time, more important to get the transaction priced fairly, get the best price you can, but you want to get the right price at the right thing, as opposed to stretching for every last dollar, because they're not, they shouldn't be motivated by, well, if I sell it for a thousand dollars more, you know, I'm going to get 5% of that thousand dollars. So I, you know, like that shouldn't be the motivation. It should be, no, we want to make sure we don't push a buyer out of being able to close the transaction. It's more important to get the transaction at the right price and get it closed and closed on time. Right. 100%. The, the other point I wanted to make is that real estate commissions are negotiable, right? 
However, make notes. This is really important. If you hire a realtor that negotiates on their commission, then it's my argument that you hired the wrong realtor. Okay, and that's, I'm going to say that again. That's okay. excellent advice, and I wrote it down. <laughs> I took notes. But David, like I, I can't stress this enough. If a realtor gives away their money, okay, this is what puts food on their table. This is what feeds their family. Okay, right. How quickly are they going to give away your money? Right. Right. And and when you're interviewing a realtor, always always have the commission conversation with them because I want you to push them as far as you possibly can. And then I want you to hire the realtor that didn't budge on their commission. Because they're going to earn it. They're going to earn it. They're going to earn and, it. They're, they're going to earn so it with what, all the various <laughs> services they're going to provide. And they're going to get you the best price and, and have the proper strategy because they're worth the money. Yeah. I, that's excellent and, advice. And listen, it's going to be a tough conversation. And I remember when I was selling, like I used to have a lot of fun with this um, just because, you know, I know what I'm worth. And, 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 you know, I used to have the commission conversation. I used to, you know, go through my presentation and, and go through my value added. Right. And then when, when people would ask me about my commission, I would stand, you know, firm and, and say no. And I would actually encourage them to hire the realtor that, you know, discounted the commission. That's really what they wanted. Right. And I just said, listen, you know what, we're, we're not aligned. You know, I'm not discounting my commission. I'm not giving away my money, but you can rest assured I will not give away your money, right? I'm going to fight for you. And I, I appreciate that we're having a really tough conversation right now. And if you think the conversation is tough right now, when you want to hire me as your realtor, imagine how tough the conversation is going to get when the realtor that can't negotiate for themselves brings in an offer and the offer has seven zeros. And now they're going to try to negotiate for you. Which situation, who would you rather represent you in that situation? The realtor that can't negotiate for themselves or the realtor that's saying, yep, we're having a really tough conversation, but I'm worth it and I'm going to negotiate hard for you. Right. And there's a lot of real estate agents out there. There's always someone out there that, that will undercut the market in order to buy business because they're not earning business. Yeah. And, and I make the same point all the time about legal fees. No matter what our fees are, they're, always, they're too low as far as I'm concerned for what service we provide. But no matter how low our fees are, there's always a whole bunch of lawyers out there that will say, oh, Cormans is going to charge that. We're going to charge $100 less in order to get the business because the only way they're, they're getting the business is by buying the business. They're not earning the business. And, and I agree with you 100%. Like we try and stick with our fee structure all the time as well. Because, you know, we're earning that money. We're providing proper services. All the people that we hire, we try and hire top people every step in our process. So we have to pay them. And I want to pay them. And I want to give them raises. And I want to give them bonuses. And I want them to be you know, paid because they, they earn it. And, and, you know, we got to pay for it because they're providing good service to the client. So I try and get our conversations completely off price every time. You're buying our services. You're paying a fair price for our service. I don't want... I don't, no one wants to overpay, but you want to know that you're getting, you're paying a fair price and you're getting the best service possible. You know, yeah. whether it's real estate agent commission, same thing, legal fees, you want pay fair value, but you want the proper service. You don't want to go to someone that's just buying business. 
Yeah. And, and I can't stress this enough because I think we're in a we're in an era of resignations. OK, that's what I'm going to call it. And, and, I, and I strongly believe this. Like, I think the labor market right now is, is so scarce. Right. And good people are really tough to find. And I think as employers and as business owners and as entrepreneurs, um, I think we need to find good people and reward them well if they're doing a good job to retain them. Because if you don't, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go through attrition. And as a business owner, you know, that's the biggest cost of running a business is, is your rotation in people. Yeah. You know, we've uh, in recent years before COVID, we had been attending the TREB meetings. You know, they have a couple of annual meetings and, and you know, you guys have been there. And we set up a booth and, you know, and I'm there all day, of course, you know, for two days, Jonathan Hakon, my partner's there, you know, we split time. Sometimes some of the associate lawyers come. So we're there and, and we set up and we've got our business cards there and we've got our, you know, our banner behind us. And, and we just want to talk to people and we're talking to agents and we're talking to whoever shows up. I spent part of the time there going around to other lawyer booths that are there. And I see they're showing, oh, $6.99 for a closing and, and just signs showing price. It looks like Honest Ed's Warehouse with, with just brochures with prices and dollar signs everywhere. You know, a will for $300. Just, and, and I took the lawyers, I said, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, I know who you are, I've dealt with you. We've had done transactions together and you don't have to undercut you know what the prices are you know go look what you know what we're doing i'll tell you what our fee structure is go talk to this guy down you know a few booths away who's a good lawyer in, and they're they're in line with what we're charging we're all charging not enough number one but we, we want to charge a fair price but don't be a bargain discount hunter out there just looking to sell your service based on price you know what you're doing you're providing good services there yeah. right so i don't want to go and compete with them at their level i'm trying to push our industry up you know and uh, and, and let them, you know, charge appropriate prices. Let's all be competitive, yeah. not to drive people's price, each other's prices down, but sell service. Don't sell price tags. Yeah. David, my lip, my lip this test, I always say to my customers when, when looking for a lawyer is always the communication and the response rate, right? Because I, you know, want to hire a lawyer that is going to be there when I need them, that's going to communicate, that's accessible. That's the biggest thing to me as a consumer. And, and you can't provide that level of service if you're running a factory and just trying to, you know, do closings, you know, like it, it, it can't happen, right? Like the fact that you described that score story of, of how your office got involved, how your office communicated with the agent, how your office communicated with the other lawyer, like that's service. Right. And you can't give that type of service if, if you're just doing cheap deals and trying to run an assembly line. You're going to make mistakes. OK, mm -hmm. the quality is not going to be there. It's not going to be a good experience. Right. And things are going to be missed along the way. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Now, to some extent, our, our industry, at my end, we are a bit of an assembly line, too. Uh, because of the, the nature of how we get paid, you know, on most transactions, like non, you know, residential real estate transactions, lawyers get paid based on their time. Okay. And you've right. dealt with me on commercial transactions, commercial transactions. We're just keeping track of our time basically. And we're charging based on hourly rates as opposed to flat rates, fixed rates, things like that. 
But for standard residential real estate, it, it's sort of a it's sort of more in line with like more flat prices or or preset prices, at least up to a, a certain amount. So just to put some numbers to it for anybody listening, let's say you know we're talking about a, a million dollar residential transaction. So you're selling property for a million dollars. So the commission at five percent, that's easy enough. It's going to be fifty thousand dollars split between the agents. Our legal fee on that same transaction, where the agents, you know, twenty-five thousand dollars to each of the to each side, our legal fee in a transaction that's going to be under a thousand dollars. You know, it's on a sale. It's usually like nine fifty, including discharging a mortgage. If there's no mortgage, it might only be eight hundred dollars, something like that. You know, so for that eight hundred bucks or nine hundred bucks, what are they getting? Okay, they're paying for my services for my time. Sometimes there's another associate lawyer involved uh, on a file, but they're paying for lawyer time. We have a, a law clerk that's dealing with the file. Time we got administrative people. We've got an accounting department that's got to administer all the funds. We have someone at reception. It's a whole bunch of people, and we're all sharing in an $800 fee or a $900 fee on a transaction like that. It goes down. So to some extent, firms like mine have to be a bit of a of a of a factory because we have to do volume because the fees are so low that we have to be able to do volume. Now, we set ourselves up with systems and things like that so we can handle the volume. We hope that majority of transactions end up being fairly routine, but we have to build in a leeway when we know that there are a bunch that are gonna go off the rail and we have to spend all this extra time and effort. Sometimes the clerk, sometimes the lawyer, sometimes both of us. So, and we try and keep to our fee structure. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. And that's why I'm really sensitive about someone saying, oh, you know, we, you know, you did a, you know, a bunch of other transactions for us over the last 20 years, instead of charging us $1,000, can you, you know, can you reduce your fee, you know, by $300? Cause we're loyal customers. Well, you know, I'd love to, but I gotta pay my, we gotta pay people for it. The margins are too small. We can't really do that. And I wanna make sure that we have the right people and the right level of service. So I try and really hard to stick to it. We don't want to be a discount operator. Our margins are, are low enough. So, it, you know, there's always that dilemma. You know, we're not, we, we don't want to overcharge anybody, but we certainly want to make sure we're charging enough to cover our costs and pay for things. But bottom line is we have to be able to provide the level of service that's needed, especially when the deals go sideways and go off the rails. Yeah. Say, oh, sorry, I can't really help you out here because... You're only paying us 800 bucks yeah. like that's not an answer yeah that's the key and, and you know there's a cert, certain one of my agents deal with a different office that um you know used to be i think a, a really good office as well but i think with time as, as they're doing more and more volume that level of service has has dropped so um considerably that it's uh you, you know you, people forget that we're in the service industry, right? And people forget that at the end of the day, when things don't go as planned, that's when they really need a lawyer to step up and, 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 and be there for them as well. Yeah, and we're very conscious that in, in our office, and it's, you know, Jonathan Hakon, my partner, are talking about it all the time. We're always trying to, to improve our systems to make sure our clerks have proper structure and they're all doing it the same way and they're staying on top of things and they're providing a high quality of service. And the same thing with the lawyers, like everybody that comes to our office, I can't do every transaction personally. Jonathan can't do every transaction personally. We have you know, five associate lawyers 
involved with us. We need those people to be really good and, and they need to provide the same level of service that people are used to getting from me and they're getting from Jonathan and they used to get from, from Jerry Corman when, you know, when he, before he retired in our office. They're used to you know, a high level and they're entitled to that. So we wanna make sure the next generation of lawyers are all providing the same thing. So we're always working on our systems and staying communicating with each other because we want everybody to be at that level. You know, we set the bar high and we're not, we're not moving it down. The only thing we're gonna do is we wanna keep it the same level or we're gonna raise it, but we're not gonna lower it. That's what we wanna do. And we can't get every transaction in, in the city, but we wanna get our market share and whatever transactions we have, we're gonna provide the best service we can at the best value we can. But we're Absolutely. not gonna be the cheapest out there. And we're not gonna just sell at a discount in order to attract business. Wrong way to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. David, like a lot of customers, when they look at legal fees, right, they look at their final statement of adjustments and, and they see a number and they're like, oh my God, you know, I just paid, you know, $2,500 for, for, to the lawyer. But what they don't understand is that the actual legal fees are a very small portion of that number, right? And right. the rest are disbursements. Right. Yeah. And there's a big difference in a legal fee and a, and a disbursement. So like on a, on a sale closing, you know, like I said, you know, our, our fee might show up as $950 or something. Let's say it was a million dollar sale. Now that would include discharging a mortgage. So there's a, that's the legal fee though for selling the property, closing it and discharging the mortgage. So that's what our firm is actually earning. But the ultimate bill they might get might be 1700 bucks, 1800 bucks, depending on what the other costs are. So on a actually sale, but probably a little less than that. Cause on a sale, we usually have maybe you know three to four hundred dollars of disbursements so disbursements are out-of-pocket costs that we're paying somebody else to do it same thing on a purchase a million dollars you know might our fee might be a thousand dollars or 950 80 dollars something like that for that but um we have to search title the government charges fees for us to do title searches we're going to register a deed in the mortgage so we have to pay registration fees to the government those are disbursements. We just pay for those out of pocket. The clients are just reimbursing us. There's no markup. There's no nothing. We're just laying out the money, five, six hundred dollars worth of those disbursements. We get reimbursed on on closing. OK, but clients have to know that that's that that's a cost. So they might see the overall legal bill might be two thousand twenty five hundred dollars, whatever it is. But when you break it down, it might have still been it's only nine hundred eighty dollars to our firm. HST. And then third parties are getting the other things, you know, title insurance companies for the cost of title insurance policy. So it's part of the legal cost of closing, but it's not going to the lawyer. Right. You know, part of it's going to the lawyer. Part of it is just reimbursing the lawyer for laying right. out money for you. Right. And disbursements have, you know, are very closely monitored by the law societies, my understanding, mm -hmm. and, and they're not allowed to be marked up. So like if no. somebody pays $500 for title insurance, you know, that cost is, is transferable right. penny by penny right to the customer and they get charged $500. So that's, that's really what a disbursement is. Yeah, it's something paid to other parties. The law society charges a fee on every transaction, law society fee, but that's something we pass on to our, to our clients. So it's a $65 charge or something. But so, you know, we have to pay that to the law society. We're just, we're, we're just collecting it back from the client. You know, we're paying for a courier, we're paying for bank charges, things like that. So those are 
money in, money out. There's no markup on those things. And, and they've got to be laid out that way. And we get and lawyers get audited. And that's one of the things they're looking at. And, you know, I'm not aware of anybody that's, that makes markups on that. But it's important for that to be disclosed. So when we when I'm having a conversation about fees with some a potential client, I want them to know that, yeah, it might cost them 20, the legal fee, legal cost, they might be $2,500, but here's the breakdown. You know, my firm's going to charge $980 for the closing. We might charge the $350 to do a mortgage. Those are our fees. The rest of it, the other half of those costs are all things we paid to third parties. Those costs should be incurred by you, no matter which lawyer you have, if they're doing proper searches and proper transaction, those costs should all be the same. Okay. The government doesn't charge me a different fee to search title than they do another lawyer. It's the same fee, right? It's just like HST is the same rate for all of us, right? So you shouldn't see variance on that. The only place there could be a variant is what the legal fee is that the lawyer's charging, right? Yeah. So you have to sort of break it down that way. No, I, I mean, I completely agree, David. And I, I think that, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Really important. I think fees, you know, it, it's important for us to communicate that fees are negotiable. However, if you're working with a professional that, nego that negotiates their fees down, um, you know, you have to be very cognizant of what you're getting, and what type of service you're getting and what kind of professional you're working with, right? right. And especially when it comes to real estate commissions, I cannot stress this enough if they give away their own money, they're going to give away your money. They're going to give away your money in a bigger way than they give away their own, if, if they give away their, their own money. So, you know, be very cognizant of that, right? And, and especially certain nationality types, they love to haggle, right? But they will respect you more. If you look them in the face, if you sit across the table and say, with all due respect, I know what you're doing and you can't do it with me. Right. But the same is going to be true when we're negotiating the sale of your pro property. They won't be able to haggle with me now. So who do you want representing you? And you know what? It's funny when you ask that question, you know, and, and you just stay silent, you see the wheels turning and they get it. They get it. They right. know. Right. And it's like any other product, like if someone's in the market for a car, okay, you can buy a car to get you from A to B. There's all kinds of cars out there. They range, you can buy a used car, you can buy a brand new car, you can get a brand new car with all kinds of bells and whistles, it might cost you $30,000, or you might choose to get a BMW that's going to cost $60,000. It's still a car, you're only buying one car, it's still going to get you from A to B. But everybody's got a choice, which car do you want to buy? So, well, I really like the BMW, but I only want to pay $30,000. Well, you can't get everything that's offered by the BMW if you're only paying $30,000, right? So you know, your business, my business, no different. You're, you're buying, we're, we're selling services. We're selling advice. We're selling our experience, our know-how, our systems, you know, that evolve over time. And there's a price to be paid for that, you know, and people have to be prepared to pay a fair price for it, but, but understand what they're really buying. Okay. They're not, you know, there's a lot of lawyers that get a transaction closed if everything goes smoothly. And some struggle even with that. They make things not so smooth when they should be smooth. Same thing, you know, you can get an agent who's going to give away half his commission and you might, you might sell your house eventually, but, you know, did he, did he get you the best price? Did he get you the, the qualified buyer? Did he do all that, that work? And then, Probably and not. Market, in this market, you will never know. That's, that's the flip side of the coin. Because even if you got, you know, a record-breaking price on the street and you haggled your commission down, 
you know, there is a possibility that with the right agent and the right tool set and the right negotiation skills, they could have gotten you $100,000 more than that other agent, right? Because they were more aggressive, because they understand psychology, because they understand pricing, and because they understand, you know, where the market is heading. So, yeah. you know, you have to hire the best. Um, have those tough commission conversations with your with with agents. They're important conversations to have, but be wary of the agent that quickly is quick to discount their commission. And if you have three agents that you're interviewing and one won't rule ref, refuse to hold their commission, you know I would strongly look at that agents and 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 choose them to represent you in the biggest uh, transaction of your life. You know that's the agent I would want representing me. Yeah. Well, we, we agree on that point hundred percent. That's who I would want. Um, you know, and same thing, you know, on the legal side of it, you want the lawyer that's going to be able to get the transaction closed. You want, you want someone that's going to, and I'm not, you know, we have confidence in our systems and our ability and you know, my staff, all the associate lawyers. So yeah, I want everybody to, to use our firm, but it's, you know, we're not the only ones. And there's, like I said earlier in this pocket, there's other really good lawyers out there. There's other really good law firms out there too. The good ones are not discounting their fees because they know they earn their fees. And so you got to find someone like us, if not us, someone like us, if not <laughs> Sutton Summit, someone like Sutton Summit, because well, that's, that's tough. I think, that's I think we're doing it the right way. I think we're doing it the right way. Yeah. But listen, I'm going to share a quick story before uh, before we end. I know we're uh, we're tight on time today, but yeah. um, when I um, became a partner in this company, I uh, met with one of the largest teams that we have here. And I mean, I have a relationship with this person, and I sat down with them and I said, "Listen, you're charging too little commission. You know, you're doing 60 transactions a year, but." you know, your commission is completely off on the listings. And if you raise your commission to here, this is what's going to happen to your earnings, right? So at the beginning, the person was extremely hesitant. So I challenged them. I said, okay, you know what? I don't want you to go to here. I want you to do an incremental increase. So the next five listing presentations, you're going to pre-populate the listing agreement with this rate. And we, we, we gradually increased it, right? And I'm proud to say that it's been four years and this team's GCI has tripled since I had that conversation with them at the very beginning. And they now consistently charge, you know, more commission. Um, they do a lot for their clients, right? And that's my argument is that the more money you charge, the more services, the more marketing, uh, the more value you can give to your client. And this team did that in a really big way. So I, I congratulate them. And, and you know what? I really wanted to reach out to a lot of agents listening. If you are having trouble charging full commission with your clients, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Because a lot of the times it's like flipping a light switch. You have to believe that you're worth the 5% first. If you as an agent do not believe that you're worth 5%, you will never be able to communicate that to your clients. It has to start with you, right? And I know there's a lot of agents struggling with this. A lot of agents are struggling with this. But 
our point of this podcast, David, is that we want to raise the bar in the industry. And the first step to raising the bar in the, in the industry is making sure that people spend a little bit more time with each client, go the extra mile with each client, and really service them properly. And it starts with commission. Yeah, well, that's great advice. And, and what it shows is great leadership, too leadership within your brokerage to have those hard conversations with your own agents, leadership in the, in the industry. And it's nice for you to reach out to others uh, to do that. Cause I think, I think that's the right approach. Yeah. But, and, but, and, but, and, and so that's what we're doing. We want everybody to take, you know, to be like-minded and raise the bar, raise the level of service, raise the, you know, manage expectations of the client, explain, be able to have the confidence to explain they're getting great value for their hard-earned dollars. No one's trying to take advantage of them. We want them, we're going to help them do better. Yeah. And give them that uh, better process. Guys, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation and, and I'll challenge you to think differently, right? About your real estate commission. But, you know, I, I David, I'll never forget this. Like when I started in my industry, when I started in this industry, I, I was working for a discount brokerage. I advertised that there you do 1% listings everywhere, right? Yeah. So when you're part of that kind of environment, um, you're forced to to kind of you know work within that context right so at the beginning um you know i did my listings for for one percent cover your years i did not say that (laughs) but i remember after my first year i broke down my earnings and i think i did like seven um sales uh listings and i did i did like four working with my buyer clients and the four working with the buyer clients represented 65% of the commission earned. And the seven listings represented 35% of my total commission. And I scratched my head a little bit. I said, wait a minute, I did twice as much work on the listing side, but right. I earned only one third of my total earnings from that. Right. It didn't make any sense to me, right? Right. So then I switched to you know a completely different... Um, a brand, you know, a brand that consistently charges 5% as, you know, the one thing I recognized when I was, you know, with my mentor at the time um, is that, you know, he was all about volume, right? And to me, you know, working with a lot of buyers and and then seeing, you know, how he worked with a lot of his, his clients, you know, he just didn't take that little bit extra time to really give them that guidance that would have resulted in a in a much better decision when they bought real estate. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to be like that. To me, it's not a money game. It's it's not a volume game. It's quality of representation. And the only way possible of doing it properly is if you charge the full five percent commission and you give that extra attention to your client and you really you know take those fiduciary duties, act in their best interest every step of the way. And, 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 and become that advisor, right? Um, and, and establish that lifelong relationship with them. Right, and, and if you're a young realtor out there, you, you wanna, who you, get, you wanna learn from? Who do you wanna model what you're gonna do things from? Don't you always look at who are the top producing people? Who are the top agents at Sutton Summit? Who are the top agents at other places? And, and I know a, a lot of them. I know who the top agents year after year are from Europe brokerage i know from a bunch of other brokers the same people generally it's the same people that get to the top five top ten every year what do they all have in common 
Not one of them is discounting their services. They're all charging full rate because they learned they're, they're providing the, the best service. Yep. The best quality referrals, service. Right? Like, like Dave, if you charge 5% and let's say like, I think we talked about this on a different podcast, right? And your garage door opener breaks down, right? It's $200 to get it fixed. You call your garage door guy and you say, hey, go to one, uh, one, two, three Main Street, fix the garage door, send me the bill. Yeah. Right. If you charge 1%, 1.5%, you can't do that. You right. cannot do that because you right. just don't have any money left after right. marketing and brochures and everything else you've, uh, you've done for this. So you're, so you're hesitating, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there is that change in, 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 in service and, and there is the difference between, you know, them saying to their friend, oh my God, you won't believe what my realtor did for me versus, oh my God, we bought a house and you won't guess what the garage door doesn't even work. And my realtor is not returning my call. When he did return my call, he told me to contact the lawyer and the lawyer told me that, you know, I, uh, we just don't have time dealing with this because we're high volume, you know, production legal office. Right. We're just not going to get involved. So right. at the end of the day, we had to replace the garage door opener and pay for it ourselves, you know, and there is a difference in, you know, a, an amazing experience versus a really poor experience with your real estate agent. And again, my, my, my argument is that it all starts with commission. Yep. You get what you pay for is where you started here. 100%. I, I know we're out of time, but I, I enjoyed this topic. It's an important conversation to, to have. And, and I hope people tune in and I hope, uh, you know, other agents, other lawyers learn from this too. And, and, you know, and reach out and discuss with it. I'll, I'll support any other lawyer, just like you would another agent. I'll tell them why the fees should be higher than they are. You know, <laughs> not that we want, because they're they're earning it and, yeah. and they're good. Yeah. You know, you and, to, and if they're not good, they you got know, to raise the bar of their service. And then not have it translate to the value and the services that you offer to your client. Because that's, right. you know, that's not right. But right. if you are giving the value and the services, and, and I know, you know, our two respective companies are really big on this. And then you have, in order to maintain those levels, you have to charge the right rates. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been fun. Awesome, David. Well, looking forward to next week. <laughs> okay. Have a good one. Okay, everybody stay safe, you know, stay productive. And, and uh, like I said, any conversations about fees or commissions, um, if you're a realtor, you're struggling with charging full 5%, reach out to me. And, and if you're a law firm, you know, reach out to David because it's so important that we maintain the standard in the industry. Great advice. Thanks, David. Thanks, everybody.